You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Developing a new campaign, at least for me, is equal parts exhilarating and terrifying. Creating stories, settings, characters, developing hooks and beats, all while making sure that the players have the space they need to tell their stories and have a good time. That's the part that's terrifying. The other part that's terrifying, making sure that your friends like the world you've built. Also, bills about new books, manuals, folios, codices, figs, and other services to play the damn game. That's also scary. But... We're not going to worry about that because tonight we're going to build a, lo- a world and introduce some characters. The setting for this For the Lore campaign is the Ninth World uh, of Numenera by Monty Cook Games. The basis of the game world is this. It's Earth, one billion years in the future. The Earth has been home to or a part of at least eight previous epic worlds. We are now at the start of the Ninth World, built on the remains of all those previous glorious interstellar, interdimensional, super science empires. And where we're going to start tonight is we're going to fine-tune the world that we're going to play in, create some rules for the house so that we know where we are going and we know where we should not go. Uh, and we're also going to introduce the characters that we'll be exploring this world. Um, with that, y'all have any questions, comments, or vague misgivings about Numenera or the world that we're building? I don't know a damn thing about it, so... You already know how I feel about ciphers. Cy- the difference between ciphers and magic items in my head is nil. So we're just going to make like, there'll be artifacts, more artifacts than that. And uh, the conceit that the character has to be cool, not the item has to be. James Bond isn't cool because he has a pen that's also a laser. James Bond is cool because James Bond is cool. And that's the kind of, that's what I want to make sure that we get across. Well, if there are no other concerns, what we're going to do is fine tune this world that we're going to build uh, by coming up with one sentence that we can all roughly agree to, uh, wherein we agree of the kind of world that we want to. Uh, if you're following along, this is slide two in the microscope thing. But basically, we're all going to agree on what we're going to uh, we're going to play in. Uh, some examples that I have written, we see the rise and fall of the steampunk empire. Uh, Gotham ne- City needs a new Batman after Terry McGinnis has been killed or is missing. Uh, that one. I want to do that one. Well, we can. We can have totally have a Terry McGinnis stand in Batman Beyond in the Ninth World. It'll be weird. Uh, the thing is, we're going to modify our sentence. Uh, the sentence starts with the phrase, in the Ninth World. So what kind of game do you guys want to play in the ninth world? Are you looking for politics? Are you looking for dungeon crawls? Are you looking for Kevin's descendants struggling to rise against the empire of Sir Reginald, the eternal? I have a quick question. You keep saying the ninth world. Uh, Initially, when you were talking about that, I, I had the impression that it was, you know, you're counting planets in a solar system but you're talking about 
the rise and fall of generations and it's this is the ninth generation or what are you referring to so the ninth world so uh in numenera terms uh the world means what part earth played in one of these nine gigantic uh, excuse me one of these eight previous gigantic empires or kingdoms or uh interstellar interdimensional sorts of civilizations so think of it like um we are looking at where this game begins in terms of the rise of a new, very eventually could become very powerful empire or world, like the center of a civilization. A civilization that is so super sciencey that it's practically magic. Does that make more sense? It's not like, yes, it's generations, but like it's more civilizations. Hundreds of millions of years. Yeah, the rise and fall of various civilizations that have tried to come, come up on on Earth essentially. Yeah, and some right. have have come up. Some just used Earth. Uh, some conquered Earth. Sometimes Earth conquered other. Sometimes Earth ripped a hole through space time and destroyed everything. We don't have to worry about any of those things because what we're doing is playing around with like what was left over. Right. So, like when the civilization that built the space station on the moon died there all, all the people are gone most of their knowledge is gone but their stuff remains okay so we can make this game as epic or as personal as we want we could make it more high fantasy uh we'll, and we'll get to like how we're going to address magic uh but like what kind of set how do you want to end the sentence in the ninth world. Well, I think first we'd have to decide whether we're doing real magic or an elect, uh, electronics kind of civilization or what are we doing? We could, we could totally jump to that. Instead of starting with the kind of world, we will now jump to a different section. Uh, well, we'll sorry, I didn't mean to change your the way you're doing this. I just assumed if we can establish that, that'll help us figure out how the, the kind of world that it is because clearly a world that we're in magic actually exists would look far different than a, a world where it's electronically uh, far more advanced yeah, not necessarily technologically not necessarily I mean what, what, what is the line that you know magic is just technology no. that's efficiently understood or whatever but yeah. my point is just again we can warp it to whatever we want but if you guys want a world where in actual magic exists versus far more advanced technology then those are two different things so what don't worry about uh jumping ahead because that's not a problem what we'll do is we will you know, set limitations and open doors to what we actually want to play this way instead. And maybe that'll help jog uh, a story for everybody that they want to play. Also keep in mind that um, this is tailor built for you and your characters. So we like, just because it's tailor built, doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, easy for them. It just means it will be a story that incorporates them. So well, more to to Roger's point, because if I'm not mistaken, I'm the only character in the group that has any sort of magical ability. And I've completely reflavored all of the D&D magic to be technology based. Cool. Um, so what we're all going to do then is just take turns 
saying things that we want and things that we that we're saying no to. If you say so, the only rule to this section of gameplay is you can't pick something that's going to make everybody feel miserable. Um, so, you know, if somebody's really, if one person's really got their heart set on no magic, um, but somebody has their heart set on totally magic, we're going to have to figure out a solution. Um, but just to be courteous to everybody else. So let's discuss this. Like what everybody just take a turn saying one thing they want to add to this world or one thing they want to remove. You can, you know, we'll, and we'll come to like, we'll, we'll clean up this list as we get closer to being done. But does everybody take a turn saying like, we want magic. We don't want magic. We want guns. Don't want guns. Dragons are totally real. Dragons are totally fake. Um, we don't want romance. Totally want romance. That type of stuff. Well, uh, I guess I'll start. Uh, I would like uh, actual um, like in-game locations relevant to previous empires. Uh, I'll actually go second. Uh, I think I would like there to be some places that do that does have lush vegetation, um, you know, something foresty that isn't fully industrial. You got it. So actual built on previous empires and a lush vege vegetation. And that's great. This helps me narrow a ton of my ideas down. Joe, Raj, what are you guys thinking? I'm indifferent. Like, I don't have any specific wants or dislikes. You got it. I like the idea of, like, what uh, both Vincent and Ali are saying because it kind of works in with my character in terms of being uh, a scavenger kind of thing. So if he's going into these older civilizations looking for technology that is more advanced or different than what we have on this planet um, with the goal of be it space travel or whatever, then I, I kind of dig that. Is there anything you guys do not want to see? For example, no lightsabers. Well, I assume that's kind of like we're we're not ripping on other franchises, are we? You totally can though. Like there's that's part of you know, uh there's an item in D D called the Sun Sword, which for all intents and purposes might as well be yeah, it's a lightsaber. So the joy is repackaging your favorite shit. And what we're doing now is saying, like, yeah, that stuff is cool, but we don't want this in this game. Uh, I think while uh, perhaps alien influences on culture are fine, I would like it to stay on Earth. So no extraterrestrial locations. So Earth-only locations. But aren't the other civilizations that we're going to be digging up and such, aren't they based on aliens that came to Earth? As I said, I'm, I'm okay with, like, the civilization influences. I just don't want there to be a, okay, we get on a spaceship, chap. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, that throw the literal wrench into what I was thinking. No, no. I, if you have an idea, I'm I'm open to it. I was just throwing yeah. something out there to break the... Well, that's fine. Um, can we slim it down to be like... Because you don't... Like, there are civilizations that didn't need spaceships to go where they wanted to go. Um, so, Vince, if you can narrow it down to being no so yes to alien influences no to we're gonna go to mars no to we're gonna go to alpha centauri like 
because it sounds like Roger's got an idea of like going somewhere. Yeah, else. but we don't have to do that again. We've we've got four episodes, so it's not a big deal if we skip that. So I'm all right with what he said. Okay, so no off world. Can we do it though, so that my character is trying to, but never actually gets there? That way, his his goal still remains. It's just we know it's a failure because he's not actually getting off. Or I, I would even go so far as to say, like in the first act, like in the first four episodes, keep right. it on Earth, and with the possibility of venturing out in the future, if that's something you would like to. I think that's agreeable. Is that okay for everybody else? Yeah. I'm good with that. Okay. Sure. So, yes to alien influences, no to off-worlding in the first act. Perfect. Uh, Allie, anything else you want to add or take away from the setting as a whole? Can we have extraterrestrial pets? Or if we find one, can we take it with us as a pet or a map? Pets or like as a as a mount? Did you say? No, like if we accidentally uh, upon our travels find uh, an alien sentient uh, animal, um, and I think it's cute enough, can we take it with us? So what I'm hearing is sentient extraterrestrials as pets are in the yes column. Yeah, they could be little. I just. I just wanted to know, because I believe I have proficiency in animal handling. I would like to pick up a pet along the way if it happens, if the opportunity presents itself. I just didn't know if anybody had any um, nose or name. So um, a good example of a no would be like, yes, sentient animal, or like, yes, extraterrestrials as pets or extraterrestrial pets, but no talking dogs, you know, so we could split the difference that way. Like, People don't, some people don't like talking animals. That's fine. I can agree with that. It's just like you're, you're asking. That's all. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. That's perfect. Okay. So we've got so far, um, <clears throat> the frames of this world is for the first act, we will be stuck on earth. There will be alien influences. Uh, the game setting will be built on a previous, on the bones of a previous. Somewhere out there, there's lush vegetation. There will be uh, uh, pets. People will have pets of some sort, sentient or other. Uh, do I have all of that as a as a good footing for where we are? Sounds good to me. Okay. So the last and the biggest question that I have for everybody of this section: Do we reflavor all magic in terms of it's all technology, so there is no such thing as magic? Do we just not discuss it and we leave it up in the open? Or yes, there's magic. Which would you guys prefer? I don't care which it is. My character, however, will always believe, as we've discussed, that it's technology. And so he just needs to figure it out, essentially. So it doesn't really matter to me personally whether there is or not. Okay. Yeah, I like taking it on a case-by-case -case basis. Like, I know for a fact my, air quotes, magic is based in technology, but there's other stuff out there that I can't comprehend. Uh, I know for myself as Allie, I am okay as going with the guys on, you know, it being a case-by-case -case basis. My character 
does believe that magic is still very much inherent. She doesn't know the extent of it, but she's observant of it. She's very aware of it. So it could be technology or magic-based, and she's okay with both of them. It's something that she's curious about. Okay. All right, so what I'm hearing is that we're going to leave this as a case-by-case basis. However, individual characters have their own viewpoint of, is it magic, is it technology? Yeah, I like that. could lead to some interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be cool. Um, so for this first arc that we're going to do with your characters, uh, like if you had to add a phrase to uh, the... Another phrase to complete the sentence is, you know, in the ninth world, blink. What are some things that you want to see as guiding principle for the game? Like, are we going to be sword and sorcery? Are we going to be cute and fuzzy? Are we going to be, we're going on an epic civilization building thing? Like, define the first arc for me. I think that's a better way to frame it. Can we first decide um, the world that we inhabit? Is this more of a post-apocalyptic world where there are not a lot of people who live there and or aliens in the civilization as well? Or is this a bustling world with billions of people on it? So as a whole, the ninth world is a large, it's actually Earth because of all the weird sciencey stuff. Earth is actually larger than it is in the 21st century. Um, There are parts that are sparsely populated and post-apocalyptic. There are parts that are not. We can do whatever we want. So you guys tell me, do you want this to be like, this is a desolate area or all of Earth is a desolate area or most of Earth is a desolate area? This is all up to you guys. Do you guys want post-apocalyptic? I personally i'd say that there's at least like large population centers because i envisioned my character coming from like a large city sort of background but maybe the entire planet isn't like that okay so vince is saying that there are definitely large population centers okay roger like what are you thinking do you do you want like a do you want a little mad max in your ninth world not exactly what i was thinking but i was thinking that if you're looking um million years into the future and there have been multiple be it invasions or crash landings from alien civilizations which led to a variety of civilization civilizations leading to this that there would have been a lot of life loss of life so there would have been wars there would have been all of these things so population would have been essentially kind of whittled down quite a bit over time so if it's something we're in like the cities still exist and there are still a lot of people who live in those cities partially for protection to all be together as well um but that it's not a a, a, the, the planet doesn't have you know billions necessarily on it but it's not post apocalyptic either that's just how I saw it. Yeah, there's that's a that's a really decent way of describing it. Because in the the classic Numenera game, there is uh, a selection of feudal to near feudal states called the Steadfast, and everything outside of that is called the Beyond. 
And sometimes the beyond the civilization centers are far older than that. That's in the steadfast. Uh, the ninth world is about a thousand years old. Like people have been back on earth for about a, a little bit more than a thousand years. So uh, towards there has been a part where earth was completely uninhabited on the surface. So, well, where were the people? That's a good question. Is that something you want to figure out? Like, well, <laughs> that could be a whole seems like a pretty important piece of the puzzle. Don't you think? Well, if that's the game you want to play, if the game you want to play is like building your own civilization and like becoming warlords and conquering everybody, you don't need to know about the past other than, what stuff can kill a lot of people and what stuff can make your troops harder to kill or make your economy booming. Okay. See the way that I heard it, if you're telling me that there were civilizations where there were no human beings on the planet, that means the extinction of the human race. So how are we there? We could not possibly have evolved in the exact same manner to be the same kind of human beings. Oh, I guarantee you I'm not the exact same kind of human being. Yeah. Okay. So, But in this example, I am. The character that we created, I'm human with like technological advancements kind of things, implants, whatever you want to call it. But I'm still human. So if humans weren't on Earth, are we just imagining they were taken away? But then again, you need many thousands to propagate a species so that's just a kind of niggling thing there in the back of my brain well i i i like the possibility of uncovering that mystery kind of being a, a driving factor for the campaign like for potentially like your ancestors were from like the second age when they left earth on a colony ship and billions of years later you know a descendant of the descendants of the descendants has come back like that's that could be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it could simply just be well, I've got ideas of how that could be. I I we could do that. That's actually that's I like that too. And it actually would work in very well with my character as well as mm -hmm. the stuff that Marty and I discussed with the Android that I can put a copy of an AI in there that someone that I knew and I want to get to them and they're somewhere else. Marty, how long though have, and I know if this is something we can come up with, that's different, but because you mentioned there was a civilization where there were none, how far back are we talking? How long has it been since humans have been back on the planet? Humans have been back on planet earth in this kind of state uh, in this part of Earth for at least a thousand years. Okay. There are other parts in like canon that are far older and there are, well, not far older, but that are older. And there are also other parts of Earth where other creatures have evolved in the space of a few hundred million years uh, to take the place as the apex sentience of the planet. Um, what typically happens in a variety of locales in the ninth world is everybody's got their own creation myth. Uh, sometimes it's very classic, uh, you know, uh, Greek myth, like uh, sky fathers and some stuff, or it could be the earth hatched people. It could be, it's all up to you what you want it to be. Uh, whatever your classical myths are, which maybe we should spend some time with, uh, 
like you guys can either tell me what your creation myths are or we can let you can let me devise a few uh and from there that's where our launching pad into like what happened to the previous people in the eighth world does that answer the question like at least a thousand years some places even more but there are species that have evolved while humans were not here can we assume then that um humanity has also um not started up but established themselves in other places as well on other planets so if they were taken yes. off of the planet then perhaps they landed in different areas and because we're we produce so much and we're a virus on wherever we go then it stands to reason that there'd be colonies in other places as well it is safe to assume that off-world civilizations exist whether or not they're still the same species as people uh that's a totally different subject but yes there are uh in canon there are a whole bunch of others and we can use them uh however you guys want to use them or not use them like for instance in these next three games we're not going to explore them but there will be threads to lead to how to get there um in these next three games well for my character it doesn't even have to be something where we address it but it would definitely be in his backstory that that's his motivation to get a essentially a ship built so that he can go out and try to find some of these other civilizations because he's had it with earth your character's done with earth i love it done with this shit See, oh, and, and the exact opposite my character is not done with earth because he's more interested in those previous uh civilizations from a historical aspect so he wants to to go towards that so we have very similar interests but completely opposite endpoints for our goals yeah and it makes me laugh because the irony of my character is she has no idea where she's from because she is a cyborg she doesn't know if she was created by human civilizations or if she was created by extraterrestrial civilizations she's going based solely on observation so she'll be kind of looking towards both of you guys as the moral compass to figure out like oh maybe they did it or maybe they did it so it should be interesting okay so i think i have a sentence that might work for all of us uh, Joe, at any time you, you something strikes your fancy as like a strong yay or nay, jump in. I don't want to overwrite you. Um, but in the ninth world, uh, a town, no, in the ninth world, a group of people want to discover the truth of their ancestry. Is that, that sounds like it connects all three of you guys that have talked so far with Gadal, uh, not Gadal, um, I'm pronouncing Joe's character's name from memory. But with Joe's character, he knows where he's from. Yep, I was born in a test tube, so literally none of this matters to me. <laughs> right. Um, but this sounds like this is, uh, like that sentence would cover for the rest of everybody. Well, is that cool? For me, in so much as he, he doesn't care about the... Um, he doesn't care as much about the history, but using it to uncover, like we said, artifacts and stuff to further his goal. So it it works, but only because he's being duplicitous about it and, and kind of 
just he has his own agenda. Got it. So that sentence works. I will I will tweak it a little bit, but from now it seems like there's a, there's a town where people are really concerned about the history of the ninth world and where they actually came from. So the game world that we have now built is set in Numenera is set in a classic Numenera setting. Uh, we are going to build a town that is built on the ruins of a previous civilization. And a majority of the people in the town, the whole industry is set about like history, like what happened. And it's not, for a variety of reasons, all of you characters are connected in that way, shape or form to see uh, what did happen in a previous age. Um, some of you guys are doing it because you want to get the fuck away. Some of you are doing it because you are curious about your people. And some of you are doing it because I think that last one actually covers both Allie and Vince. And some of you are doing it just because you're going along for the ride or maybe you were told to. We'll figure that part out, Joe. Um, making sure that I have that right before we move on. Sounds good to me. Okay. Um, I also asked, I wrote some prelude questions, which is a, a way for characters to, or for players to get a handle on their characters before uh, we start play in deep, just so you get a good feel for your character. Um, and so... Marty, all I see is a page full of Tildes. Yeah, that's because Tildes is my push to talk. I'll keep moving. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a question. Uh, one prelude question for everybody. Uh, Allie, you answered all the preludes, um, but there is a new question. And we kind of just had this exchange on Twitter. Um, but what is your character? First, describe your character for us and then tell us uh, this particular prelude question. What is your character's theme song? Oh, me? Yeah, you. Tell us about uh, Rue, uh, what we know about Rue from what we can see or maybe that we have heard. And then what's Rue's theme song? All right. Um, Rue is a, um, for for those who are familiar with D&D, she's a Warforged. Um, in the Numenera setting, she is a um, She doesn't really understand or know where she's from. Um, from the time that she was programmed, booted up, and, and active in the system, she, she only had a, a few material belongings that she does cherish and kind of keep close to her. Um, she has these deck of cards uh, that sh they're they're holographic in a sense. They're they're almost crystalline, very like transparent and see through, but they show um, many like active scenes of a, a lush and wild foresty area. And it's something that has always piqued her interest. She always wondered, you know, maybe you know she could one day see a world like that because she's only ever been familiar with you know industrial places and busy hubbubs and cities and you know, desert, you know, most icely kind of climates. That's all she's ever really seen. So she's kind of fascinated with that stuff. Um, she actually left behind uh, somebody who kind of looked after her by the name of Halfback. Uh, he kind of took her in and made a, a domestic housemaid out of her and basically created her to protect his grandparents. But they kind of accepted her and treated her like she was an actual human being. And so she was very grateful for that, as grateful as a, a cyborg could be. Um, 
ultimately she wants to know where she was created from and where her origins are. She can only assume that, you know, just by logic, that she was created out of some factory um, and that she was just created to literally be a weapon. And that's what she's most afraid of. She doesn't, she hopes that she wasn't created as a weapon. She hopes that she didn't have to kill people. Um, she she had a, a big fear that, you know, from an organization that she was working at as an intel spy called the Syndicate, that they kind of programmed her or created her. She hopes that's not the case, but she's afraid that they made her to be a weapon. And then um, she has a deep, dark secret, but she is she was told by halfback never to tell anyone about it so she has a secret maybe it'll come to fruition maybe it'll come to surface maybe it won't we don't know but she wants to understand the human condition that's one of her biggest motivations she wants to understand you know what it's like to feel she wants to understand why so many emotions are ambiguous, why tears can correlate to joy or uh, correlate to anger or to sadness. And then if I'm not mistaken, we decided her theme song was actually from the Akira soundtrack. Right. Give me something different. Uh, Dolls Poly Polyphony is the theme song right now for Rue. That might change. I really like that. No, I actually really, really like that. I was, I was down with it. That's kind of Rue in a nutshell. She she wants to be a human. She wants to understand the human emotion. She knows that she never could be a human. She knows that she's just made up of parts, but she wants to understand why the human condition acts in a certain way. And she kind of is going to look to the party as a moral compass to see, you know, if what they're doing is what's right and what's good. She she wants to lean towards good. She doesn't want to be a weapon. So that's really Rue in a nutshell. Awesome. Joe, can you give us a quick rundown on Podgol? And then I've got one question for you. Uh, so he is a test tube born uh, humanoid. Since gnomes really don't exist in this world, he's about three and a half feet tall, uh, mostly bald, except for a strip of hair down the like center of his skull that, you know, that grows just fine. So he's kind of got like a natural mohawk thing going on. Um, he's kind of excited about everything just because everything is sort of new to him um he was part of a test tube superhero like super soldier program that uh he was going to be 4-h'd but the doctor didn't want to destroy him uh so he just kind of like kept him as if he was his kid uh until one day the doctor stopped showing up to give him food and so Podcold decided to go wander off uh, and sort of found his way off into the great wide world. Uh, he sometimes gets really, really frustrated with things and becomes a raging little monster. Uh, but otherwise, he's pretty content to just like poke at things and see how things work and gnaw on things to find out what's edible and what's not. And if he had to have a theme song, it's Animals Don't Let Me Be under Misunderstood. That is so oh, good. that's genius. That's genius. I love it. Um, I do have the question I'm going to ask is uh, what is something that Podgol would ask the other character? Like, say, you just had a big score, you just won a big fight, you've been hanging out around for a while. What's something that Podgol would ask? I don't know if he would ask anything. He would just kind of 
pick up the scraps and just kind of chill. Yeah, that's totally a, that's that's kind of the answer I was expecting. That's that strikes me as like totally with not because he's antisocial, but because like he doesn't have motivation. Like he doesn't have exactly. like the signs of like he doesn't care about ancient histories or ancient or like far off civilizations. He's kind of just in the moment because literally he he already knows where he's from. He he literally the doctor showed him this is the tube you came from. I done fucked up. You're way shorter than you're supposed to be, but I'm going to keep you around anyway. So, like, he doesn't have these great existential crises or mysteries. He's just there. I actually think it's a nice balance to have a character in the group that's like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. I could see oh, myself being envious of that. I really like It's a good foil and role, right? So there's a lot that we can do with that, uh, even to just turn it, you know, play with it. I, I love it. Uh, Vince or Roger, which one you guys wants to go next? I will go next. So I am playing a human mutant with a uh, strong strain of possibly lizard or reptilian DNA. So bald, uh, no hair, uh, weird eyes, long nails, serious skin condition that's maybe uh, seen as scales by some people. So uh, Draco Emperor Cariscathus, Scion of the Second Dawn, is believed to be the descendant of a previous empire. And he has dedicated his life uh, to searching for one of these previous civilizations and uh, proving his uh, royal blood, if you will. And some of these uh, excavations have come up in with uh, a certain amount of success. He has procured a, an ancient relic that he has named the Thunder Lizard Armor. Uh, it is a, a heavy suit, uh, almost an exoskeleton, if you will, uh, with large turbines on the back that, when activated, uh, create uh, numerous electrical uh, impulses that he can use offensively and defensively uh, when he's out in the wilds. It reminds me of Storm Knight armor from War Machine. That's kind of how I'm picturing it right now. That but sounds maybe, about right, yeah. But but with uh, more futuristic technology and material than very you know heavy plated steel like synth which is short for synthetic material that we don't know what actually it is um so chris we're all gonna call chris uh what is what's chris's theme song not a, like an exact song like as in a track listing on an album but it is 100 celebration of the lizard by the by who? The Doors. Jim Morrison. He was the Lizard King. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. All right. Roger, you don't have to have a name just yet. Give us a rundown of who this artifact hunting misanthrope. Well, I don't know if they're actually a misanthrope. Of who this character is. Well, the way I'm looking at it, he is... Um, I'd like to think that he's reasonably intelligent and... And more than just reasonably intelligent and he he's one of those kind of people that he's like I said had it with this idea of constantly the, the, the planet constantly being wiped clean or civilizations disappearing or whatever and he just wants to get off um, he also has a not an ulterior motive, but that, that idea of he's secretly also 
building that ship and he wants to get out and go look for where civilization may have taken root elsewhere and hope for better something better there but there's also going to be the backstory with the android that he took the ai from somebody and it'd be good if that was left in the air for as long as possible so that people are wondering who the hell is this person because there's clearly a tie between the two kind of thing so i figured that'll be pretty interesting sounds like to me that who that ai is is your deep secret um not necessarily a deep secret but it's going to be um it's going to be obvious that this is not just an android to my character. That he treats this android very much like he would um, the actual person that it was. Did we lose Marty? Sorry about that. Pulled the. I was nodding vigorously and pulled the uh, cable right out of the back of my headphones. So <laughs> good times. So how did this character come to the realization that the only way to survive uh, or to thrive in this life is to get the fuck off of her. I don't know that I would say that it is to survive. It's just an idea that he is not only that he's had it with this cycle, but that he foresees that the next because he's seeing patterns based on any of the rooms he's visited, the the excavations he's, he's done as well, that he sees that pattern. So in his head, the idea of the end is nigh is not that far gone. He's anticipating there will be another, be it an invasion or something, in the not-too-distant future, and he basically does not want to be around for it because it never goes well. Oh, that's good. Uh, so we have a person that wants to get away before the the cycle starts over uh we've got and there's one that might be starting the next cycle <laughs> right uh we've got another that uh is looking to see what is the human condition so we the human condition as explained to by chris the lizard prince uh roger's character the right now i'm gonna i have it in my head that they're a jolly misanthrope kind of like um what's his name Val Kilmer's character from that's one of the science that science movie that he was in, like where there's a laser in the plane. Oh, whatever. You ain't gonna be all that jolly. Okay, so just a misanthrope. And we've got Podigal, who's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. Like very much a as bone vivant as a barbarian can get, it feels like. Um and uh, we have the city. Now, give me an idea. How big is this? And I want to keep it clear that we I don't know how much time we have left. But what? where is this city? Is it cold? Is it was temperate? Um, the, the ninth world is, uh, I, the maps are up there somewhere in the table of contents I put together. But it looks a lot like a star uh, with all sorts of weather patterns throughout it all. Uh, I'm going to ask for a conceit that it is relatively like either on a river or a tidal Delta of some sort, like it's near water. If that's okay with you guys. Fine with me. Yeah, sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and is this like a free city, a city that like, 
it doesn't owe allegiance to the kingdom that it's technically in. Is it the capital of us of one of these nations? Is it uh, a waypoint uh, in a in a very desolate part of the world? Like, what do you guys see as this being? I I think uh, where where whatever it's like you know larger role is. I think one of its many functions is a, as a trade hub uh, amongst like say antiquities dealers. Air quotes because I have a feeling. Roger's character probably bought some of the shit I sold. Sounds fair. Okay. Well, my character is going to be involved with the underground market as well for technology and whatnot. So that, yeah, it's exactly that what I was saying. Some some yeah. of the stuff I dug up and didn't know what it was, I sold it to somebody who figured it out and put it. And you were you got you got a hold of it at some. Yeah, it works perfectly for the two of us. I'd imagine this location is also like a, a transportation hub or like a, a middle point between maybe two bigger cities. So I, like it does have a good sense of population. I, I don't think it's desolate, but I feel like it's the midway point getting from, you know, two major, I, I don't know, capitals or something. It's just what I have in my mind. Well, no, that's good. I like it strikes me as like, you know, a waypoint between, say, Milwaukee and Chicago. Or yeah. far enough yeah. away from like the center of civilization that Rogers black market can kind of thrive. That's that's good. Um, I will let you guys know if this is in the steadfast or the beyond at our first. Set. Uh, but for now, what was the first job you guys did together and how did it go? Uh, it sounds like this world is not necessarily bleak, but it isn't, uh, super pretty uh how did you guys meet and how did it pan out well vince already established how our characters can know each other because i deal with stuff and we can assume that his character is not bothered by dealing with an underground market either so he would have heard about me so we could have dealt together a few times Hell, it could even be a type of agreement between the two of us wherein he sells me his technology that I then tinker with and then any artifacts uh, that I come across that are more from a historical standpoint, I sell to him. So you guys have a uh, an economic relationship that is, it sounds like, pretty solid. You're buying and selling from each other one is you're both supplying each other with interesting iron, but of this relationship, only Vince's character, Chris, is doing a lot of of these exploits. Um, so, Vince, how do you go about hiring or finding uh, Podgol and Rue? Like, we're, let's work. Let's work to the three, uh, four of us to figure out how that connection formed. I actually I, I, can be the tie, sorry to interrupt Vince, I actually no, no. can be the tie with Allie because if she's a cyborg, she may have needed parts at any time or help with tinkering and fixing something on her and knowing that I have an android and all that technology, then she might have come to me to be helped, which would then tie her through me to Vince as well. I would go so far as to say, Roger, that she may have turned to you for parts, but she would not let you touch her for specific. Oh, obviously fine. Yeah. That that would be the thing. She yeah. See, 
were an underground dealer. She had the currency for it. And she was going to download some type of software program as to how to repair herself. But she wanted solely the parts from you. Right. And you wanted to tinker and, and be kind enough to repair her, but she wouldn't let you. And it kind of struck you as a bit suspicious. No problem. Yeah. And uh, Chris is definitely not much of a people person. So uh, I, I think, you know, if he's looking for some extra uh, muscle on a particular uh adventure i i think the weird little guy that doesn't talk much and will essentially work for food might have been pretty high on his hiring list well could joe's character well don't forget, my character is not dumb like, no 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 you're not dumb hold on, I, hold on a second hold on a second Let, let's establish that he's not <laughs> barbarian normal intelligence he is actually like a little bit of a tinkerer he is he understands things he's just not invested you, yeah, you're you're action oriented. You don't ask too many questions. Yep, that's the way I see it, and that's kind of what I'm looking for because I don't want to have to answer that many. Like if we don't have to have a setting wherein we've all been together on something in the past, this can essentially be the first as well kind of thing. Like if we had heard about a dig site somewhere that might have some stuff that could help, uh, even like my android as well as Allie at the same time. And I let Vince's character know that, okay, listen, I'm heading out to go do this. If you want in so that maybe you can find some of your stuff, you can come along. And he decides I want some muscle as well and hires Joe's character. Like, boom, there you go. We're all together. Yeah. Like we, we've known each other individually. Like, you know, Allie links to Roger, Roger links to me. I link to Joe, but maybe this is our first time as a, a particular force. Exactly. That, that yeah. can make so it sounds to me like this the first adventure which you want it to be is that you're all getting together to get a particular bit of tech to fix Rue or to help Rue fix her. Well, not necessarily because I would not have gone looking for that necessarily for her. But if I knew she needed something and it would benefit as well my Android, then I would set out to go and do this. And I okay. offered him good coin for it hell and something like that i might even say like he might not even take it and just say listen if you want it you can come along if you want and boom there's your invite again yeah. right and like you you know what you need and perhaps where it is but you're not as well versed in actually like getting to it and retrieving the artifacts as i am so you reach out okay okay so we're gonna actually do that session some point in time but i want to I want I want our first story together, this first arc, to not be the first time you guys are out. I want you guys okay. to be a little bit more practiced. So, how did that mission go? Uh, successful? Unsuccessful? Mostly successful? Well, if it was horrible, we wouldn't be working together all that often afterwards, I would think. Unless there's a reason to. For instance, well, there's all sorts of things that could happen, but... That's probably a good assumption. So it probably went well. Uh, were you guys, did you guys clean the place out or did you notice that like you need to go back for more stuff? I mean, my character is indifferent. Like he just kind of like stuffed things in his bag for later. Like he didn't really care what he was grabbing. So if we go back, great. Just means I'm going to grab more stuff and stick it in my bag. If we don't have to, 
also great because he's got a bag full of stuff. Like the way yeah, the I, I think if what we came across was like Android robotics related, Chris would have no reason to to want to go. Okay. So, sounds like this was a good haul for a particular thing. You guys worked well together. Y'all got some extra money. What was the major complication in this in this move? Did something attack you guys? Did uh, did part of this ancient civilization thing fall apart? Were you split into a different space time altogether? Like what complicated this job? Well, if if we want to do something that is um, furthering at least my character's drive to get out and find another site or more about the people or the beings that were part of that civilization. If whatever the tech is that we got, um, we can do it one of two ways. If there's a problem with it, think of it as a tech that has a virus booby trap, trap kind of thing. And upon inserting it into my Android later on, it screwed my Android up. And Allie's character can either have done the same thing and it's messed with her circuits or I warned her in time and she did not. And then now I need to figure out um, more about the civilization, which means working with Vince's character to try to figure out, solve the issue of this virus to get my Android back on its feet. Yeah, it's essentially like the we found half the key scenario where we have to go and look for uh you know something something to complete you know the essentially the first so the job was successful very little you know problematic stuff except it sounds like once the haul was done there's a problem with the parts and how they're not as compatible as they're supposed to be and they're actually potentially incredibly harmful to Roger's Android and if Rue put that stuff in to Rue herself. I almost want to say Rue did put it in, but it had no effect on her, And Got we it. don't know why. Okay. Well, that would work as well because you're a cyborg, your character, whereas mine is an Android. So there'd be something yeah. in your genetic makeup that allowed you to maybe fight it off or something. So was it, did it do absolutely nothing for Rue or did it like give her a really trippy experience. I think it had, I would say it had no effect on Rue. Like she put it in, it repaired the piece that she needed to repair that she did privately. And it wound up that she. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Joe, when you grabbed a whole bunch of stuff, did you pick uh, an oddity or a trinket or some sort of item from the DMG that would fit for that? Probably not. Okay. Um, we're going to think of some things that you, you picked up that uh, is your, because everybody's going to get a trinket or an oddity. And so we'll figure out what that is. Um, how in the middle of grabbing stuff, is any of that stuff like for future reference, maybe not the best thing for Podgill to grab. Like, let's say he grabbed um, a sphere of annihilation not necessarily a sphere of annihilation, but let's say he grabs something magical and harmful. 
Probably not. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't even think to grab something like that. He would have left it to somebody else. Like Vince's character would probably be more interested in something like that than than he would be. He's more looking at like, you know, plates of metal or synthetic material that can be repurposed into a great axe or little pieces of armor or something along those lines. He's more physically oriented as far as that goes. So like even if he saw something that was like Oh, this is a big glowy rock. He'd be like, "Yeah, whatever. This this thing looks sturdy over here. I'm gonna go pick up this thing instead." Okay, gotcha. That's that's actually really cool. I we can work. Think we can work all that in. So the first the first adventure that you guys have together that leads to the idea that maybe working together would be very profitable, not just in terms of money, but in also in terms of advancing your goals. Uh, as a crew, you worked well together. Uh, we're going to start maybe a couple weeks later, maybe a couple days later in this adventure. Uh, this adventure, this dungeon crawl that you guys did was enough to take you from first to third. And it sounds like you avoided the traps. There were no strange monsters, but we're going to, I'm going to give you guys that boost for one primary reason. It has been a long ass time since I have crafted challenge ratings. And I want to make sure that if I, when I throw something at you guys, I don't accidentally kill you because that would be bad. Um, and also like third level is a fun level to start at. So this was that good of a haul. And you guys learned that much about the world that one, you've got compatriots now, two, you made a lot of money, and three, you're advancing your own goals, whether it's building or looking to build your own sorts of arms and armor out of this old world stuff. The fact that you are unaffected by android pieces from another empire to the idea that your android is in danger because of previous uh, artifacts uh to uh the idea about how this particular set of ruins is impacting or uh what role it played in your people's empire um sounds like that's i mean that's how i'm hearing and synthesizing everything you guys are saying would you guys Sounds agree good to that? me. Okay. So we will make sure that everyone gets leveled the third. We're going to start in the city, and I will have the name of the city by the next time that we hang out. If you guys have questions, comments, or vague misgivings about any of this stuff, or you want to throw a hook or a curveball at me, let me know. But so far, we have this. This version of Numenera, we are going to explore the history of the world so we know to break the cycle or escape the cycle. Uh, we've got everyone who, are, who is a bon vivant who is not doesn't have like a super internal motivation to people who have very deep personal connections that might at some point, you know, lead to conflict between each other, which can happen. Uh, we will start next time uh, with the adventure where we're going to move your goals forward in a cohesive way. Before we finish for tonight, uh, is there any question or concern that you guys have or you want to raise to the group about the to the group, to me, to the about the world? It's gonna be standard D and D rules, so that you don't have to worry about like Numenera challenge ratings or anything. It's gonna be straight D and D because that is a very good system for us to to use and explain how the world works. The only thing that I would add is if you're still tweaking as well and you want to be have a little safety net for for combat my android can play as robin did essentially and just be 
an extra character for us that can help in battle, but that because of the the faulty tech in the the android now that it could also screw things up or it you know it could be a burden or not kind of thing whichever way you want to use it to further um, combat oh god is the android named robin no (laughs) that would have been funny though you sound like sir reginald vince i just want you to know that I there may have been certain influences, he was but uh, I promise he he will not be that um, outgoing. I I do want to know, Roger, what is the Android's theme song? Because it sounds like this Android has its own fully fleshed out personality. So, if this personality was distilled into a track we could find today, what would that? Uh, I will have to get back to you on that. Actually, I had not totally about fair, that, but yeah. It's shipping up to Boston by that band whose name I'm told. If you can't remember Dropkick Murphys, I'm going to punch you through the internet. I, I can't <laughs> remember anything right. All right, I quit. I quit. I'm done. This game's over. Sorry, I can't. I can't work with this. Oh my god! You this found my... the line, Marty. Well, the line is Marty forgot the Dropkick Murphys, which is fair. Um. Okay. Well, I will write a lot of this stuff up, put it up on our, on the Google pages that I have. I appreciate you guys like indulging me in this mini Microsoft session and the converting this world. Uh, but before next time, you'll have the name of the city. We'll know where we're starting and uh, we will have hopefully a good time with or without the dropkick Murphys. And maybe I'll throw something in there to make fun of the fact that I forgot the dropkick Murphys. All right. All right. So we're going to close it out there. Thank you very much for joining us, folks. We are going to be picking up on this in two weeks for the first official episode uh, and then running every other week for three more weeks. So, well, for three weeks total. So this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And obviously we will be hitting the ground running. We hope that you will join us for this and we will talk to you well tomorrow for our regular episode. Thanks. Sorry, I didn't feel like waiting a half hour for you to do the exit. Yeah, no, I was <laughs> handing it. I was going to say, take it away, Roger, some shit and have a second if you didn't. Because uh, I, I have an intro. Don't I don't do outros. Yeah, see, you're doing it now. <laughs> Fuck. All right. <laughs>